Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kings and queens, and those of you that fall in between, welcome to another episode of Johnson Says. So this week, I will start off my episode as I used to do back when I used to record regularly like a person that has some sense, um, starting off by what am I grateful for? So this week, what am I grateful for? As I'm grateful for a different creatives who have shared their, their gifts with us in the world. And I'm going to elaborate on that just by speaking about, you know, the recent losses we've had in music. We've had the passing of Andre Harrell, who many people, I believe, in my age bracket or older are very familiar with Andre Harrell. I've always seen him around like in magazines and pictures and knew who he was, but I never really became really familiar with him until around high school or college when they um when Diddy started making the band because Andre was on making the band a lot. And so that's how I really, you know, saw really who he was and his personality and learned what he was responsible for. Such artists like Mary J. Blige, Jodeci, everybody that was on Uptown Records. He gave Diddy his first star, just pretty much as a lot of people said, a visionary who was responsible for a lot of the music that is the soundtrack of our lives, especially the kids that grew up in the 90s and early 2000s so it was definitely um sad to hear about his loss and also we lost little richard who (laughs) my um one of my favorite memories of little richard actually came from a little richard movie where leon played him when he talked about his makeup the pancake 31 and also um it's an interview he did um, back in the 70s when he's talking about Jimi Hendrix. And that was actually very comical, too. But we all know about Little Richard, about um, about him kind of being the king of R&B, being responsible for a lot of artists. Jimi Hendrix, um, James Brown, all those different artists that we know that came to be great entertainers and excelled their craft were people that worked along go up under Jimmy and not Jimmy Anderson, excuse me, Little Richard. So it's definitely a big loss for the rock community. But one thing I will say that I watched an interview and they were talking about rock and roll. They were saying how Black people were the people that created rock and roll. Jimi Hendrix being the king of rock and roll. And you have people who, you know, say Rosetta Thorpe is the queen of rock and roll. And it's like we created this art form, art form that then got away from us and other people profit off of. So when hip hop came along, a lot of those people that are around during the rock and roll era were kind of glad to see that, you know, hip hop came. But, you know, for the most part, Black people have kind of held on and kind of kind of remained in control of hip hop as much as they can, which is a lot better than what they did with rock and roll. And lastly, not but definitely not least is Betty Wright. Um, everybody in my age bracket, at least, and those of you young, if you have mothers, grandmothers, aunties, you've heard Betty Wright songs. You've heard the Clean Up Woman. Um, you've heard these songs and you may not have known that she was responsible for them, but you heard them. And also, if you're a Beyonce fan and you listen to B-Day and one of your favorite tracks on B-Day was Upgrade You, that whole beat for Upgrade You is a sample of a Betty Wright song. So definitely, you know, do your history, stream some of these people's music, you know, and help celebrate the legacy they left behind for all of us. 
And speaking about those who are gone and legacy, um, I know for me, I'm tired. I don't know how tired other Black people are, but I know for me, I'm definitely tired of waking up to hearing news, to the news of hearing that Black people, Black men and young women have been killed at the hands of white people and at the hands of police. Because at this point, it seems like history is kind of stuck, like we're stuck when this is still happening. And it's like we're going backwards because it's happening more and more. And first, I will start with, I know everyone has heard of, you know, the young man, Amard Arbery from Brunswick, Georgia, 25, who was shot and killed while jogging because white men suspected that he was a criminal and felt that they should intervene, which unfortunately, I've, I've never ceased White people never cease to amaze me at the privilege that they have, especially at the privilege that they feel like they have over black people and black bodies. Because had that been a white man jogging, had they suspected him being a criminal, they would have called the police. They would not have tried to take matters into their own hands. And then the fact that this whole thing was covered up until the video was released and they find out that, um, Arbery's mother and family did not find out about the video or the shooting or how it went down until the rest of the world found out when they saw it on TV. That's just very disheartening to say the least. Um, and also have to speak on Sean Reed from Indianapolis, Minnesota, 21 who was gunned down after a car chase and it was actually streaming. And you heard the police officer say something along the lines that he's going to need a closed casket. And it's just the sheer disregard and disrespect for black people is just once again, I'm not surprised at all. It's just that I feel like, at this point in my life, at this point in this country, these are things that we should not have to be experiencing. But then when you have a clown in the White House like we have who sits up there and does things that promote racism and promote division in this country, you also can't be surprised when things like this happen. And lastly, I wanted to briefly mention um, Brianna Taylor from Louisville, Kentucky, who was 26, who was shot and killed in her apartment when police wrongfully raided her apartment thinking they were doing a drug bust and shot and killed her. And no one has been held responsible for that. Um, I read these stories and it definitely affected me. But at this point, I just have no more tears to cry about them. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that it happens so frequently. I think the last time I actually cried when this happens, when Trayvon Martin was killed and I watched, um, I watched the news as they waited for the verdict of the trial and for George Zimmerman to be found not guilty. It was just that night. 
And it was a Saturday. I remember I did cry and I cried for about 20 minutes because it's just like, when is enough going to be enough? And when these things happen, you know, there are people that, you know, probably feel like that. I don't, I don't care because I don't post them on Instagram. I don't post them on Facebook. I'm not reposting stories that people are posting. And my thing is that we're long past the posting phase. We're long past that, you know, when these things happen, we post about them and everyone is get engaged and everyone is angry. And then a few months later, or even a year later, people are back to their lives, not really thinking about these individuals, not even thinking about how their families are trying to piece together their lives and try to be as normal as they can when they're missing a vital part or a vital person in their life. You know, these are people's children. These are people's sons, grandsons, nieces, nephews. You know, they're they're someone's loved one. They're someone's everything. And so, yes, you know, I can understand why people would post to bring awareness, but it needs to be a little bit more than just posting at this point. And this reminds me of a brief quote from Malcolm X when it says, we are not outnumbered, we're outorganized. And that's the issue that Black people need to focus on. I do know there are a lot of activists that are on the ground doing the work, trying to get people organized and mobilized to get things done. But at this point, we need to demand more. You need to do more. And when I say this, I'm speaking to everyone as well as myself. You need to figure out what can you do in your community where you live to keep these things from happening. And also, how can you contribute on a national level to keep these things from happening? Because what what is eventually going to happen, which I don't want, but I can definitely see happening. There's going to be a civil war in this country and that civil war is going to be based on racial lines and. I feel like this is what some racist white people have been hoping for, because this is why they've been stockpiling these guns for years, because they knew it's going to come. They knew that a time would come when black people would no longer deal with their shit and they would either start retaliating or they would start burning things down. And I don't think that moment has come yet, but I don't think it's far away either. So with that being said, Figure out what you can do and we just need to get it done. Posting is nice, but posting a picture here and there when that's all you're doing is not going to save a life. It'll bring awareness, but for how long? So definitely less collectively as black people and also white people and other people that care to be our allies. As Rihanna said, when she accepted that award not too few months ago, if you care about black people, you break bread with us, then you need to pull up. And now is the time when it's time to pull up, time to pull up and be the allies that we need. We work with you. We work on your sets. We work on your music. We work on your clothes. We work on your movies. We cook for you. We take care of your children. We do everything for for you. And now is the time for you to say, you know what? This group of people has literally carried this country on their back. This group of people is the reason this country exists at the level that it does due to the free labor of slaves and ancestors. So now I need to do 
my part. So to the white folks that care to be allies, it's time for you to do your part as well. So moving on to lighter topics and lighter things. This weekend, we got to experience the versus battle with Erica Badu and Jill Scott. And after everything that we had went through the week, far as the deaths, the deaths of um, Ahmad, finding out about Ahmad and finding out about Brianna and Sean, and then on Saturday, finding out about the deaths of Andre Harrell, Little Richard, and Betty Wright, it was like everyone was really excited and welcoming this versus with this versus with Jill Scott and Erica Badu. And I feel like it was the perfect thing. It was what everybody needed. It was what we wanted. It was more than what we asked for. Um, I definitely, definitely, definitely enjoyed myself. They're two of my favorite artists. I love Erica Badu. Um, one of my personal, my personal favorite Erica Badu album is Mama's Gun. Some of you may agree with that. Some of you may say Baduism, especially Baduism live album, which is great. Like Erica Badu, in my opinion, does not have a bad album at all. It's just Mama's Gun holds a special place in my life. That's why it's my favorite. Mama's Gun is the album that I actually bought twice. I bought it when it first came out because the first time I heard Didn't You Know, I was like, I'm in love with this beat. I'm in love with this song. I have to get this CD. And I did. But then when I went to college, on my way going to college, I realized I cannot find my Mama's Gun CD. So the day before I started classes, I remember going to Walmart with a friend and her mother and I bought Mama's Gun again. So Mama's Gun is definitely, it definitely was a special place. It's the CD that if, when I clean up, it's usually the CD I clean up to. So hands down, one of my favorite albums. Um, I also was very surprised that Erica played Earth Song. Um, a lot of people don't know about Earth Song. In the early 2000s, I believe it was Heineken. Heineken used to have these compilation albums called Red Star Red Star Sounds. And Earth Song was on Red Star Sounds Volume 1, which I still actually have the CD. It's in North Carolina in the back of my big black leather CD book, which anyone that knew me in high school know that I used to always have, well, high school and college, I used to always have that black CD book with me because it literally held all of my CDs, and then I would have that book, then another book, and then some extra CDs in my hand. You know, young as now will never understand the struggle trying to drive and change a CD or drive and flip through a CD book and pull the CD out the sleeve. And see. Y'all just don't get it. However, I remember that song from that compilation album. So when she played it, I was like, oh, shit, I have literally not heard this song in forever. So it was good. Um Jill Scott, like Jill Scott is just, there's not enough good things I can say about Jill Scott. Love Jill Scott. Got to see her live once some years ago at um, A&T for one of their homecoming concerts. They had um, Jill Scott, their amazing performer, amazing live show. And one of my favorite Jill Scott songs. I, if I had to, before I get to Jill Scott songs, if I had to pick a favorite Jill Scott album, Whew. It probably 
would be her first one. Um, her other albums are great. Once again, the same respect of Erica Badu. Jill Scott does not have a bad album. She doesn't. It's just I have certain emotional connections and certain albums just hold special places in my life. And her first album was a special place in my life. And her first, the song that is one of my favorite, probably one of my most favorite songs off her first album is Slowly Surely. I remember listening to that song, had never had a heartbreak before, had experienced pain in life, but not pain of a heartbreak. And even though I have, I could feel everything that she was saying in that song. So definitely one of my favorites. But the versus battle, I enjoyed it. I loved the, I loved the love and respect that it had for one another. I loved how they, you know, it's, you know, tell, tell, tell tell each other how much they loved and appreciate their music and the stories they would tell. I just loved everything about this versus with Erica Badu and Jill Scott. And I hope that going forward, other people that watched it, especially the women, I really hope that they all keep that type of level of love and respect and camaraderie going forward because in entertainment, especially with black women, when they come out around the same time, they're in the same genre of music. They always try to pit them against each other. And we've seen this happen time and time again. You know, it started in the 90s. Well, I'm not going to say it started in the 90s, but for when I can remember it started in my life from Mars back. Because I can remember with Brandy and Monica that even recently, you know, it was first it was Nicki Minaj against Lil' Kim. It was Nicki Minaj against Cardi B. Then, you know, they're always trying to pit women against each other where they're all talented in their own right. No, you can argue one is better than the other based on talent, but they all are talented or have a talent to them. And so there's room enough for them to be success successful. So I just hope the women that come on going forward, keep up the level of love and camaraderie and respect that Erica Badu and Jill Scott set for us in this verses. The next thing I want to talk about, since we're on stay-at-home orders, I'm doing my air quotation stay-at-home orders because some of y'all still not keeping y'all asses at home. You know, I get it. We've been in the house for a very long time. Everybody want about to go stir crazy. You know, us single people are struggling. Listen, us single people are struggling. Like, I get it because we're here alone. We ain't got nobody, you know, to rub up on, nobody to hunch on, nobody to do none of that. It is a struggle. However, in the words of Governor Cuomo here in New York, he's, as he's said numerous times, and I'm going to paraphrase, is that you do not have the right to make a decision about somebody else's life. You going outside could literally be life or death. For someone else. So with that being said, if you're outside, please make sure that you are practicing social distancing from people. Make sure you have your mask on to keep the drop, keep your droplets to yourself and not let nobody else droplets get in your mouth or your nose. Um, I would say wear gloves, but I'm really not a fan of gloves because of the articles that I've read, gloves mostly cause a lot of cross-contamination. 
Um, so me, I don't wear gloves. I have them, but I don't wear them. I usually just carry my hand sanitizer with me. And then I've always washed my hands because living in New York, anytime I come back into my apartment, one of the first things I always do is take off my clothes, wash my hands, wash my face. Because you've been outside and love New York, but it's a dirty city. And from walking, touching door handles, trains, and the numerous things and people you come in contact with, washing your hands should have already been something, especially living here, living anywhere, but especially living here should have been something that was already in your personal hygiene routine. If it wasn't, I'm I'm hoping that once COVID and all this kind of settles down that you still keep some of y'all still keep up these personal um, hygiene practices that you're doing now by being extra clean. So let's keep those up going forward. But Please stay at home and be safe. But back to why I brought that, my original point. During, you know, quarantine, I've been watching a lot of different things on TV. I've been watching a lot of different shows and movies. So I'm just going to share some of the things I've watched recently. Um, I watched this movie on Netflix called Extraction. If you love action, this is definitely it. This is one, probably the first movie that I've seen where it's been so much action and so much going on. In this movie that I've been physically exhausted (laughs) when it went off, it's like, whoo, this is a lot. Like, it is a lot. It is a lot. But if you love action, this is your movie. Um, Someone actually said on Twitter that it's like watching Call of Duty. So if you're into video games, you're into Call of Duty, then this may be your thing. Liked it, but it was fucking exhausting. It just was. Um, Another show... Or a show, because that was a movie, a show that I stumbled upon that I heard a lot of people talking about that I decided to watch was Hollywood. Hollywood is a show by Ryan Murphy. You know, a lot of you should probably be familiar with the Ryan Murphy by now. Ryan Murphy did Glee. Um, I don't remember the show, the short-lived show that Nene was on on NBC, but Ryan Murphy was behind that as well. Um, Ryan Murphy is behind American Horror Story. Ryan Murphy was behind the FX show Feud. Ryan Murphy is behind Pose. So once I was like, okay, Ryan Murphy has a has a really good track record with shows. So I was like, I'll check this out. I did enjoy the show. I'm not going to give away the premise of it other than it's set in like 1940s, 50s Hollywood and about struggling actors and writers trying to, you know, get their foot in the door and make a name for themselves. I'm not going to go into detail about how they did that. Cause that will kind of ruin it for those of you that want to check it out. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good show. I think it's like seven or eight episodes. Don't know if it's going to be picked up for a season two or not. Um, I did have some issues with it, but I'm not going to go into detail to what those issues were because they didn't take over. They didn't take away from the overall overall enjoyment of the show. But I did have a couple of issues with it. You know, if any of you watching and want to email me or inbox me about it, you know, then make that something we can discuss. But overall, definitely, you know, if you have the time, check it out. I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I've seen? recently um that's fairly new la, 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 la. no nope not at all so moving on so one of the things i want to talk about why i said in this episode i was grateful for creatives and their gifts 
that also touches with the musicians that I talked about earlier that have passed on, but also authors. I had the opportunity, I'm going to say opportunity because I bought the book. I bought some books last Friday from Amazon. They arrived, some of them arrived on Sunday. And one of those books was a book called No Ashes in the Fire by an author, Darnell. I think it's Darnell L. Moore. I know it's Darnell Moore. I think the middle initial is L. And I follow him on Instagram. Um, I started following him on Instagram years ago because he's an attractive guy and he has a really good sense of style. Like I like his style. I like his his personal style and his aesthetics. So I was like, okay, cool. Because stylists, I follow a lot of people who I feel like have a good sense of style, have a good aesthetic that I like. And so that was my main reason for following him for that sole purpose. And he started posting a couple years ago about how he wrote this book, a memoir. And I was like, I got to check it out. I got to check it out. But... Of course, you know, life happens, you get busy and you start thinking about other things, your mind goes other places. So since we've been on the stay at home order, I was like, I really want to get back into reading books because I love to read. It's just that it's difficult for me to find books to read. So that's why I'm like, "Eh." so when something does interest me, I'm like, let me get the book. So I had the downtime, ordered the book, got here Sunday. I read the first chapter like Sunday night, early Monday morning and got sleepy. So I put it down. But when I got back up Monday, I finished reading that book. Like I didn't turn my TV on. I was not taking any phone calls. I really went replying to texts. I did post a few things on Instagram or whatnot, but I really was just like into this book. And I was into this book like I was watching a TV show. Like I'd be reading, I'd be laying down on my couch, and I get to a part I'm like, oh shit, then I got to sit up and read it. And at one point in time, I was like sitting on the edge of the chair, like, wow, this is really a good book. And what I enjoyed about this memoir is that. Being a gay black man, you, I've sometimes felt that a lot of experiences I had was singular to me, that no one is going through this but me. Like, woe is me? Why is it me? Why is this happening? And to read his story, he's a few years older than me. So to read his story and see that he went through similar things, it's like, wow. So I was really not the only one going through this. And so it was interesting to see that A, I was not the only going through these things and B, how he navigated through those things in his life. Because some of the struggles I had are some of the same struggles he had. We just went about getting to where we are now different ways. So I definitely enjoy the book. I enjoyed it. It was a great read. Um, If you're a young black male, gay or not, I would suggest you read it. I would suggest anybody read it. If you just want to have the understanding of what some young gay black men go through. This book will definitely give you insight to that if that's something you care to know about because many people don't. So definitely check it out. I got it from Amazon. It was like $10. It was a paperback, so it's not like a whole lot of money. So check that out. So keep saying so a lot. Maybe it's because I've been drinking wine. Maybe I shouldn't have drank all... Maybe I shouldn't have been drinking wine tonight or sipping wine. Um, the wine I'm drinking, if anyone care to know, it was a bottle of wine that was given to me by one of my coworkers from Barney's. It's Stave and Steel Cabernet Sauvignon. It was 
bourbon barrel aged from California. It is great. Um, I'm definitely enjoying it, as you can see, with the amounts of souls and words that I'm repeating. So hopefully I did it again, said so. Going to try to stay on track. So <laughs> Whew, um, one of the topics, the main topic I want to talk about in this episode is, of course, all of us have been watching Insecure, Love of Love, Love, Insecure, Love, Issa Rae. I've already went on my story about how I've loved Awkward Black Girl, followed Issa Rae's career until she got insecure. Thoroughly enjoyed. So this past week's episode, which is episode five, so we're halfway through the 10 episodes that we got this season. Got 10, not eight. Um, This episode has caused a lot of... um. Feathers to be ruffled. A lot of people are either Team Molly or Team Issa. And most people are Team Issa. And I just wanted to touch on this because I'm not mad at Molly. Um, I understand where Molly came from in this situation. I'm going to explain why. Um, Because it's a few things. It's a few things at play. They got them to this point. Um, One is that in friendships... Breakdown of communication can cause a lot of issues, can cause a lot of misunderstanding, can cause a lot of things to be misinterpreted. And if you remember um, earlier this season where they were in the grocery store shopping, they was like, they realized like, hey, we need to have a conversation. And Issa was like, hey, we can have a conversation Thanksgiving when I come over to get the pie. And of course, you know, in the episode, she and she go to her mom's house. The still the mom's boyfriend now like end up having to go to the hospital because he failed or did whatever. And so Issa and her brother Mai end up going out to eat and she never made it to Molly. So they never had that conversation. But even earlier in the episode, you remember where Issa got the phone call that her um her hairline artist had backed out. And so she had to leave. And I remember Molly saw her outside talking to Lawrence. And when she left, she was like assuming that, you know, Issa was leaving with Lawrence. And that wasn't even what Issa was doing. She was going to now try to fix the situation about finding her, her headline artist or whatnot. So breakdown in communication definitely is one of those things that can cause a lot of things leaves a lot of room for misinterpretations to be made, which I think were made on both ends. But the reason why I say that I don't uh, disagree with Molly, I do disagree with Molly bringing this up and they getting into this argument at Issa's event. I do think that was not the time or the place, but it had been something that we had been watching. It's a conversation that we knew as an audience need to be had, we just did not think it was going to happen at that moment because it showed them early in the episode. If you remember Molly was trying to bring Issa food and then, you know, they were doing the, um, the Cupid shuffle, I believe, together and things were looking happy. Then you get to this moment where, you know, Molly finds out that Issa use Nate to reach out to Andrew to secure artists. And she just kind of lost it from there. And a lot of people I've seen online feel like that Molly did not want to see Issa succeed. 
And in the beginning, I will say I was one of the people that I was always like, you know, I've read as many people say that if you have a friend and your friends in a situation that puts you on and they don't put you on, then they're not your friend. And so that's initially what came to my mind when I saw like last week's episode when Issa had reached out to Molly to ask if she would ask Andrew. I was like, well, damn, Molly, that's fucked up. Do you not want Issa to succeed? But then I thought about prior seasons and prior episodes, Molly has always been Issa's ride or die. Molly has been, if you remember last season, Molly was, Molly didn't go on a date because she was riding in the Uber, not Lyft, not Uber, but Lyft. When Issa was driving a Lyft, she was riding in the Lyft with Issa and that whole ordeal about Nate and how he beat up the guy, you know? So it's like, she's always been there for Issa, but I think Molly is at the point in their friendship where she feels like I've always been there for Issa and the way I've been there for Issa, Issa has not been there for me. There's not no reciprocation in that. Not saying that you do things for other people to do things for you, but if you're always there for someone as her and Issa are supposedly best friends, you expect at some point in time, damn, I'm, I'm always showing up for her. Like, can she show up for me? And she's always needing, she was always needing Molly for something. So Molly was creating boundaries because outside of Issa always leaning on Molly and needing Molly for something, Molly has also never had a successful relationship either. So like this is the time that you're getting ready to see. It's the first time we're seeing in the show that Molly is somehow, somehow in some way laying her guard down, being more open, being more vulnerable, trying to have an open, trying to have a great open honest relationship with Andrew. And she didn't want anything to come in between that. And that anything that she felt would have been, once again, my friend who always asks for stuff, but don't ever come through for me needs another favor. So I think Molly was just tired of always doing things and being and kind of feeling used by Issa. And I think that's where a lot of that energy came from. And I think once again, it goes back to communication. That's something that if she would have communicated to her sooner, they probably could have reconciled or worked through because a lot of times with friendships, if a friendship has been a certain way all the time, and the person has accepted it that way all the time, you may not realize or feel like you're doing anything wrong because it's like, it's been going this way for years. Like what's wrong with it now? And so you have to realize that people grow and change. And Molly trying to have this relationship with Andrew is also a part of her growth and showing how she's changing. Now, Issa side, Issa is looking at us like, this my girl. She always had my back. She know I hated my job. She know my career been a mess. I'm finally getting things together. I'm finally doing something I'm passionate about. And she know I need this artist. Like, why can't she help me? Why is she not helping me when she's always did those things? So, you know, they both are looking at it from two different points. And I think both of them are experiencing growth, but because they can't see they can't see past who each of them used to be they can't see to they can't see or really acknowledge the ways that they are growing and i think that's where that conversation needed to be had it definitely should have been a conversation it should not have been an argument um i'm really interested to see 
in episodes going forward how they're going to address this with um, Issa and with Molly because women are a lot different from men. Like men could literally get in fights, a fist fight, and have arguments, and then they back to being friends the next day. Like ain't shit happen. Like that's just how men are. That's how I was when I was a little boy, and I had a lot of male friends at that point in time. Fight and be friends. Like literally, like fist fight, draw blood, fight, and then when we be knocking at each other door the next day, you coming outside to play? We going to ride bikes? Like. Literally ain't shit happen. But women are not that way. Um, Some women tend to hold on to things a little bit too much. Some to their own detriment. Some to the point that they lose friendships that are meaningful. So it's just going to just going to be interesting to see how they um, how they mend this and make this work because. The way that the season opened, I think we all kind of assumed when she said, I don't fuck with Molly no more. We all kind of assumed that that was going to be something that's going to happen at the end of the season, not in the middle. So when it opened on this episode, opened up and they showed that I was like, oh, shit. So we may get to see what happened or what didn't happen. So definitely, you know, I definitely shout out to Issa Rae, um, shout out to the showrunner, Prentice Penny, and everybody writes on the show. That writer's room is amazing. They are doing the Lord's work. I just love Insecure so much. I love the I love the music on the show. Shout out to Raphael Sadiq, um, costume, to the, um, costume designer, Shiona Tarini, who does amazing with the looks this season. I have been liking some of the looks she's been putting Molly in. I've been liking some of the looks Issa's been in, as well as Condola, um, which that was always, that was a little awkward in this past episode, too, how Lawrence didn't get a chance to tell Issa that him and Condola had broke up and Condola had to do it. So, you know, that kind of made sense, which... I mean, I get it. I just kind of, on one hand, I really like the friendship that, or the camaraderie that Condola Issa has. I was kind of hoping like, hey, maybe they'll be friends. But, oh, I don't, I don't see that happening at this point at all. So definitely, um, if anyone has any, their points of view or anything they want to add or want to share with me or want my opinion on about how they felt about this episode of Insecure, definitely hit me up. I would definitely be interested to know what your opinions are about it. Are you team Molly? Are you team Issa? Are you like me? You can actually see both sides of this, which in all honesty, that's just the Libra in me. Libras are like that. We're very... We're very diplomatic and we're very fair-driven people. We always try to see the both sides of every story and the common ground, which is a gift and a curse because in trying to be fair, Libras can sometimes appear to be aloof and a little messy when trying to fix things when that's really not the intent. We just kind of be aiming for peace and harmony wanting everybody alone. That's really like I would be going for it. Well, let me rephrase. That's all I'd be going for. It is some other Libras that look crazy. All of them ain't like me. However, I want to keep this episode pretty short and to the point. So 
that wraps up this episode of Johnson Says for this week. Um, apologies for being a day late. I was having some technical difficulties. Um, I recorded a whole nother episode. Shit didn't go right. Some shit got lost. Something didn't upload. Blah, blah, blah. So we're here. Either way, I stayed committed and got an episode out this week. So hope you guys enjoyed. Um, email johnson.says the number one at gmail.com. So that's johnson.says the number one at gmail.com. Also, um, the Instagram account, johnson.says, still a work in progress, still a work in progress. You know, I got time. We all on this stay at home order for a little while longer. You know, New York ain't going to, well, New York is supposed to open Friday. Um, they can do what the fuck they want to do. I'm going to be in the house still um, practicing my own stay at home order and going outside when necessary because I don't. I just don't want to be out there with all those people and not know who got Corona, who don't. There's still not no vaccine. Mass testing is, they're doing better. Excuse me, I got hiccups. They're doing better with mass testing, but you know, the antibody test is still a little shaky. Still ain't no vaccine. Um, Doctors still don't know what the hell going on with it for the most part. So if y'all want to rush out there and deal with this mysterious virus and not knowing what it's going to do to your body, have the fuck at it. I just, it just won't be me. Oh, before I go, um, special shout out to my, um, my friend Mika Lou, who came, who was in the city the weekend and came to visit me. I don't know. Every time we're together, we never take any pictures, but she came to visit me. We had brunch, um, nice brunch. I did Belgian waffles and my, um, Gordon Ramsay waffle iron. We had scrambled eggs, fruit, shrimp. She fixed great, great mimosas. I will definitely be using your mimosa recipe. It is fucking amazing. And she even bought me a little edible. Y'all know I love a little herbal, herbal refreshments. Love edible. So it was definitely a good time. Great fellowship. It just was so good to see someone I know and love in person because I've been, I haven't seen any of my friends that like any of my friends here or otherwise since, well, I did see one friend stop by, but that's not somebody that I've known for a long time, like my friend friends. So I hadn't seen anybody since March 11th. Um, that was the last time I worked and was really outside. And I hung out with my one of my friends after work that night. So I hadn't really seen a friend since then. So it just was good to see a friend, to actually hug and feel another human being. And just, it was amazing. So I definitely am very thankful and appreciative for her, you know, for taking a chance to stop by and see me because, you know, we are in these Rona streets, even though I've been in the house by myself, you know, you just never know. So thank you for that. And as always, thank you for listening and be blessed.